0: This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Steve Vickers in Christian Life Church in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com. I want to uh, open up our message today out of Matthew chapter 28, very familiar portion of Scripture. They'll put it up there uh, on the screen in just 2nd Matthew 28, Uh, verses 1 through 7 I use the New Living Translation so it's going to read maybe a little different from the translation you perhaps have so you can look on the screen there and it says early on Sunday morning as the new day was dawning Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb this is the tomb where Jesus had been buried suddenly there was a great earthquake you feel that? For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear. They had set guards uh, outside the the tomb of of Jesus. And you know, his tomb was borrowed. Uh, You know that, don't you? Because he didn't need it long term. Uh, And that's true, Uh, it was a borrowed tomb. But, uh, you know, the, uh, the Jews, uh, Jewish leaders went to the Romans and said, they're going to, you know, his people, his disciples are going to try to steal him and they're going to take him out of the tomb and, and then they're going to say he was raised from the dead because Jesus declared that he said, you destroy this temple, speaking of his body and in three days, uh, it will, uh, I'll come out of the grave, you know? I'll rise. And so they were so afraid of that. And the reason they were afraid of it, I mean, they had good reason, because, see, there had been a lot of saviors, guys that had proclaimed themselves to be saviors, redeemers, uh, because that was in the theology, the, the hope of the Jewish people that there would be a savior. It had been, you know, it was in the scriptures, but also it was just in their culture, also permeated their culture that there would be a redeemer and the sign of the redeemers that he would uh you know and uh, Isaiah said that he would die but that he'd come out you know he would be raised and so they really uh, were afraid that Jesus you know that that would be pulled on them that Jesus disciples would raise him from the dead because the other ones the other redeemers that are so called saviors they had preached and got followers and uh just like Jesus did uh and they were either killed or died, but they never came back. So it ended the story, and their followers disbanded, and that was it, and it was over. And then another one would arise and start preaching and get some followers, and, and then he would be killed or die, and that would be the end of that. But here's Jesus now. He has preached, and he did something different. You know, he performed miracles, and he raised the dead himself, and uh, he lived a sinless life, yet he walked among, he wasn't afraid to walk among sinners, Uh, and he is uh, crucified, they know he died, they buried him in this borrowed tomb, and so the Jewish leaders said to the Roman leaders, they said, I want you to put guards there, post guards there, so that uh, none of his disciples will be able to go in, steal his body, and then roll the stone back and go hide his body somewhere and say, "Ooh, he's raised from the dead. And he'll be able to turn every, this nation around or this region around and get a, all his followers, strengthen them. So they posted those guards there to ensure that Jesus or his disciples could not go get his body. And so here's where we are. An angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. Now, let me back up here. Uh, Jesus was crucified on Friday, and this is Sunday morning. Okay? Sunday morning. Everybody say Sunday morning. morning. I don't care what you're going through, Sunday's coming. You may feel like you're in a Friday where everything's being crucified and beaten in your life, but Sunday is coming. Look at somebody say, Sunday's coming. So Jesus is dead. His body is in this tomb. They've wrapped him. they prepared his body. He's wrapped in uh, the uh, grave clothes. Uh, they wrapped his body. And, and they would put a, uh, a, with, you know, it has different uh, uh, fragrances and different spices and all of that. They'd wrap the body in this cloth and, and uh, it took care of the body in, in its, so in its decomposition position. And they put a cloth over the face. And Jesus is in the tomb, they think. The stone is there. And so they're going to the tomb, Mary Magdalene, who he cast devils out of, and the other Mary. And they're going to the tomb. And as they get there, the earthquakes for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled aside the stone and sat on it, And his face shone like lightning. And his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear. These are the guards that were posted there by the Romans. When they saw him and they fell into a dead faint because of the angel. Then the angel spoke to the women. I was trying to help you out, ladies. Let me give you one more chance. Then the angel spoke to the women. Now, here's what you're supposed to say. You're supposed to look at your husband, your boyfriend, whoever it may be, if he's male, and say, I told you I hear from God better than you. Are we okay, ladies? Then the angel spoke to the women, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. My friend, listen. The resurrection wipes out all fear. The empty tomb says you need never fear. Don't let any fear in your life. Don't be afraid. He said, I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. But he's somewhere. (laughs) He isn't here. He has been raised from the dead just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples he has been raised from the dead. And he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember, I have told you. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're celebrate that. We talk about that on Easter Sunday morning. Now, why Easter Sunday morning? Because it's celebrated as the day when Jesus was raised from the dead. Now, uh, we're not saying it was exactly this day, but we know he was raised from the dead. He was crucified on Friday. He was beaten Suffered for us. The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was laid upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. That happened on a Friday when they beat him. And the Bible says that he was beaten so bad. And Isaiah the prophet said that his body did not even look human. You could not recognize him as a human being. You could not recognize him if you had known him physically and known him, what he looked like, you would not have recognized him. And all of that was for us, and he suffered and he died on Friday. But here we are on Sunday morning and Christians gather all over the world and I was getting uh, messages on Facebook from some of our, our pastors in, in India and Africa and some of the different places in the world and, and they were telling me about the things that happened in their Sunday services and how excited they were and they wanted us to share with our Christian Life Church family, because you share in what they're doing, because you're ever part in the Philippines and all these different places, and they were telling me about the number of people that got saved in different churches and and how wonderful the services were, and they sent me videos of like their uh, some of the things that went on, and it was great. But people all over the world are celebrating this because Jesus came out of the grave on this morning, on Sunday morning, He came out of the grave. But, and you know, no one has ever done that, but he did that in a special way. He came with our justification, with our salvation. The Bible says when he was raised, we were justified. What does that mean? Just as if I'd never sinned. That when Jesus came out of the grave, no matter who we are, what we've done, where we've been in life, how cruel we've done, how many mistakes we've made, how many blunders we've made, it's just as if I'd never done anything wrong. It's when God looks at me through the resurrection of Jesus, I am as clean as Jesus, his son. And so I'm free. The message of the resurrection is the central message of the church. The central message of salvation. If you look in the book of Acts, you'll find that the main theme of the preaching of the apostles was the resurrection of Jesus. They actually talked more about his resurrection than they did about his death. They preached his resurrection because others had died for people. You know, there's, there's people... Uh, that have died for people. You've heard the stories of guys in war and a grenade would be tossed over in a patrol and one guy, one guy, brave soul, would fall on the... grenade and give his life to save the others. There have been people that have died, but no one like Jesus. Jesus didn't just die for us. Jesus bore our sins, our sicknesses, every evil thing we've ever done, every evil thought, every evil deed, every wrong choice, every wrong decision, every mistake, every failure. He bore it all. But not only that, he took our sicknesses. He took our diseases upon his body. But not only that, he took those weaknesses that we have where I just, you know, I want to try to do right. I want to try to be right. I want to turn over a new leaf, but there's some weakness that plagues my life and He became that for us. Jesus became everything we were so we would become everything He is. So that resurrection message is a central message that the apostles preached because they knew that's where the power is. Him coming out of the grave, that, he came out with our redemption. If Jesus is in the tomb, we're still lost. But if the tomb is empty, then we're guaranteed salvation. The crucifixion without the resurrection literally would be powerless to save us. It would be a sad story and it would be something that could touch our hearts. Like a movie, a Steven Spielberg movie where our hearts are touched by the emotion of what goes on and transpires in the movie and and we get touched by it, but it couldn't change us. We would be emotionally moved but not changed without the resurrection. But because of the resurrection, the crucifixion has power to change us. As a matter of fact, the crucifixion without the resurrection would be the most unjust thing that has ever happened in human history. It would make God an unjust God to have his son die for the sins of the world but not bring him back out of the grave for the redemption of the world. I want us to look at a few verses of Scripture that deal with what the resurrection has done in our lives. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, and we're going to look at about four different verses. The Apostle Paul is talking to the church in Ephesus. And he talks about the fact that he's dealing with the fact of, of what Jesus has done, what we call the gospel, the good news. Gospel merely means good news. See, the truth is not bad news. Sometimes you go to the doctor and he says, well, I must tell you the truth. And it's not always the best news. But I'm going to tell you what, the truth of God, the truth of God, the truth of Jesus Christ is the best news there's ever been. It's good news. And Paul is teaching about it. He's talking about it. He's sharing with the uh, uh, church in Ephesus. He writes this letter and he says in there, in chapter two, he says, once you were dead. Now when he says we were dead, what does he mean there? He's talking about our spiritual relationship with God that, yeah, we had physical life. We could walk around, we could breathe, we could go fishing, hunting, we could uh, enjoy a a meal with our loved ones and all of that, you know, we could, we had a natural life. But deep inside, no matter how good things were here, no matter how we worked to make them good, deep inside of us, there was something empty, just an emptiness. Something that we wish we could define We wish we could take it out and describe it to the doctor or to the counselor or to someone that could help us to understand what is it deep down in here that is so unfulfilled, that's so empty feeling within me. And that's what Paul was talking about when he said, once you were dead, he's talking about that inner place down inside you. You see, in every one of our lives, when God made us, Because the Bible says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. The Bible says that God made man. In Genesis 1, God said, let us make man in our image. See, now, your parents gave you your earthly body, but God gave you something else. A spiritual person. Something inside you that is shaped and formed and held in reserve for only God. It's a place in you that only God can fill. Nothing else can fill it. And until it's filled with God, you're going to search everywhere. You're going to look everywhere. This is true of all human beings. Now, we may look in different ways because of maybe cultural upbringing or because of maybe, you know, our own personality. We're uh, very, maybe we're afraid of what people think. And then others don't care what people think. But no matter who we are, as long as there's that empty spot within us that God made for himself, and he will not allow anything else to fit in there, as long as that place is empty, you and I are going to go on a search the rest of our lives trying to fill it. And we can fill it with sex, we can fill it with drugs, we can try to fill it with alcohol. We can try to fill it with money, fame, fortune. All these things that, and we get confused because whenever we begin to think about it, whenever we go into that place where all of a sudden we're, we stop the world and we listen for a moment, I know exactly what I'm talking about. I've been there. Let me just take you on a brief little journey. I went out with this girl a long time ago. Some of you have heard this story. I love telling my stories because they're my story. Never tired of telling your story because it's a gift God gave you. And people like your story. But well, anyway, I just believe you like mine. I like it. I saw this. She came up to me at a dance where our band was playing and introduced herself. And, and so I took her out. Asked her out and we were went on this date, and um, we hadn't gone a block, hardly. And I had a nice car. I mean, I was cool. I really was. I thought it was nice, wasn't it? Yes, it was. And I'm kicked back, and you know, it's got these power seats, and I got the radio going, and I'm kicked back, and I'm cool. And I'm looking at her, yeah, baby. You're right. I know I take your breath away. (laughs) We hadn't gone hardly a block. My cool did not really seem to have the impact on her that I wanted it to. And she looked at me and she said, Steve Vickers, you need Jesus. (laughs) Now that that would really mess your cool up. I mean, you know, how do you follow that? And well, I did. I said, "And you need to, go, and you need to go home." And so I took her home. Yeah, my, I was a jerk too. <clears throat> but anyway, I took her home, and I went and. You know, met some of my buddies at one of the hangouts, you know, one of these drive-in. Back then, kids would hang out at a drive-in hamburger joint, and there was a bunch of them there. So I went and got with them, and I told them, you know, I told them about, of course, I made it look like I was the cool one, you know. And I said, ah, yeah, I picked up. I thought you were going out with Denise. Yeah, I did. I took her home, though. Uh, She's no fun. And uh, I didn't tell him everything. But... uh, That night, I went home. I lay down in my bed. And it's a cool summer night, believe it or not. And the stars were shining, and the moon was shining and I looked out the window and all of a sudden, as I lay there, ready to drift off to sleep, I heard her words. Steve Vickers, you need Jesus. And I wanted to take those words and push them aside. And I tried to throw them away. But I heard them again, Steve Vickers, you need Jesus. And so I started thinking about other things. And I started to think about one of my favorite songs. And I was trying to sing it. But while I'm trying to sing it, it was up here. But down here, I heard, Steve Vickers, you need Jesus. And I could not get away from that. And so what I had to do is, I, the next day I went out and I did, just started doing a bunch of stuff to try to get that away from me. You see, there's nothing you can do to fill that void except let Jesus in. Paul says you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. See, what does sin do to us? Sin, it's like, you know, commercials on television. It looks wonderful. Or like internet commercials where, you know, you get an email and are you ready to make a gazillion dollars every second while sitting on a beach, uh, relaxing? Uh, You know, and you're thinking, I'd like to make anything, you know? And so you click on there, everything. You know, sins like that, it sells you a bill of goods. But it doesn't tell you the truth. And see, because of our sins, everything we did to try to fill that void only made us more empty, made us more hopeless. And we had to go deeper in our search. He said... You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. But let's look at verse four. Two of my favorite words in the Bible. One of my favorite phrases is there in Ephesians 2.4. I want you to look at it. It says, but God, but God, God. Everybody say, but God. But Notice what it says. But God, read that first few statement, that first statement there with me out loud. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much. Hold on. I want to read that again. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved me so much much now who did he love he loved those that were bound in sin dead in sin those that were sinful but God see salvation is not our idea it's not the idea from man it's the idea of God I've heard people say oh that's just the invention of, of people like other religions of the world there is no religion and all of the world like this religion, like Christianity. We alone have one that a God who forgives and took up the sin of every human being and laid it on his son so that we could be free. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. There is no one like God There is no other God but Him. Thank God for who He is. When we were unclean and unworthy, He loved us. We were dead in sins, but God, who is rich in mercy, and He loved us so much. Listen, if God loved you that much, when you... I think about this. When things get against me and... I begin to question and doubt. Every once in a while, I'll think, wait a minute. If God loved me so much, the way I was, the guy that told Denise, or Denise said, you need Jesus. If God loved me that much now, then, how does he love me now? When I am, I've given my life to him. I am His. But God loved us so much. When we were unclean and unworthy, He loved us. Now listen to this. When we did not want God, God wanted us. You ever had somebody reject you? You ever been rejected? You've ever wanted a relationship or wanted to be friends or wanted just to get to know someone And they didn't care to get to know you. And it became obvious. I remember I was at a conference. And wanted to just go up and speak to this guy. I was a young fellow. Young minister just starting out. And went up. And he was an older minister. And I just wanted to go up and introduce myself. And just wanted to get to know him. And real quick he let me know. That I did not matter. I didn't have his peer level. I wasn't at his peer level. And I remember. The wave of rejection. And a sense of stripping value from my life, like as if for a moment there, well, you have no value. And you know, the world and people can do that to us. But here's the amazing thing. We did that to God. That when he reached out to us, we pushed him aside. I remember so many times that I, God would deal with my heart and I would push him aside. Denise and I got married and for four years, I was lost. And God would deal with my heart and I'd push him aside, push him aside. Some of you have been pushing God aside. You've been pushing him away. Anyone else, if someone treated you that way, you would have left him a long time ago. You wouldn't give him the time of day. But look at the love of God. You push him aside and then he comes right back. And we're talking about God. He is amazing. There is no one like God. That when we don't deserve His love, He gives it to us anyway. And here's what I've discovered. God doesn't love me because of what I do or who I am or how good I've been or how that day I didn't make as many mistakes as Steve Vickers usually does in a day. That he saw that it, well, I didn't act like Steve Vickers so much that day. God doesn't love me because of that. He loves me because he's God. His love for me is because of who he is, not because of who I am. Yet he's very aware of who I am and he loves me. Ephesians two six, Paul says this. He said, "For God raised us from the dead along with Christ." I remember when I first met Jesus. Um, I was 24 years of age. I had been raised in church and I'd lived a very worldly life. I saw Jesus in a person for the first time in my life. I saw Jesus living in human flesh in Denise. I literally did. I knew Christianity was real because I saw it in her. She was the Bible I was reading. But at 24 years of age, on a Sunday night, after running out of church that morning and cursing at the preacher and at the church and, and at Denise for t- invite, you know, getting me to go to that church and being so angry, and, and it was because the the sin and the enemy... And all this junk that I'd allowed in my life and I had built up into my life and stuffed into my life, it was trying to keep me from the only thing that could set me free, the only one that could break all the chains and finally set me free. And so all this anger came out and I I was saying all these things and acting horrible and, and That evening, and I won't get into all the story, but through Denise and God's intervention, that evening I went back just for one time. And that evening, one time is all I needed. I don't remember the message, but I remember these words. I heard within me something say, come home, son. I'd never been home. And I sure wasn't like a son. But God calls those things that are not as though they were. And before I knew it, before I knew it, I found myself at a wooden, old wooden bench altar. And I threw myself over it. And I said this. If you still want me, I want you, but I am no good. I am not a good person, and I cannot be good. You know I cannot be good. I am no good. There's not one good thing I can offer you. But you know, He was offering me something. Now, I didn't know what to pray. That was my prayer. I didn't pray, you know, well, Jesus, I receive you, and now I confess you as my Lord and Savior. I didn't know all that stuff. I just told you the prayer I prayed. When I got up, something had changed inside me. And I knew I would never be the same again. Paul said, for he raised us from the dead. Now listen very carefully to me. He said, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ. The word raised is past tense. In other words, when God raised Jesus from the dead, by faith, God raised Steve Vickers from the dead also. Before I was ever born, before I ever sinned, before I'd ever done anything, he raised me from the dead. I prayed that simple prayer. You know, John Wesley, who did tremendous... Uh, A great preacher and touched the world with the gospel. John Wesley simply said this. He said, I stood at the altar's gate. He was hearing the gospel for the first time. And he said, as he heard the gospel of Jesus preached, he said, My heart was warmly touched. What happened? that space, that spot inside of him, that empty place, suddenly Jesus moved in. There's not enough church. There's not enough doing good things. There's not enough kind acts. There's not enough leaves you can turn over that can fill that spot. But if you simply turn your face toward Jesus, he will come in and change your life. Now Paul, then my final scripture, he says this. See, he said, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and we are seated with him in the heavenly places. We're in heavenly places. All because we are one with Christ Jesus. How do I become one with Christ? By faith in him, by trusting in him. That makes me one with Jesus. Now listen to this though. And so God can always point to us as examples of the incredible wealth of his favor and kindness towards us. The beginning places, obviously, opening our heart and trusting Jesus. The Bible says, whosoever, whoever calls on his name. It's not whoever gets their life cleaned up enough. Not whoever becomes holy enough. Not whoever happens to have the right lineage, the right pedigree. Whoever calls on his name. Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. He says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then he wants us to live in this relationship with him. Live in the reality that you are loved and accepted And that God's mercy and love is ever toward you. You can do nothing on this earth that will stop his mercy or his love. See, there are no second class citizens in the kingdom. If you're a child of God, you know, you... I'm a preacher, and so people think, you know, and that's because of what God's purpose is, but they think, well, a preacher, surely, you know, well, everybody, you know, he's, he's, he's going to have a special place. No. A struggling saint that deals with issues, still struggling with things of the flesh and trying to overcome them and battling things and failing God loves them and he's got as much mercy on them as he does for the one that thinks they're walking perfect. God is rich in love and mercy. But now let me close it with this. You see, God needs you and I to be something Instead of focusing so much on making sure your life is what it needs to be, focus on Jesus and let him make your life what he wants it to be. And let your life become an example. Gee, Denise, I am doing this today. I have preached in countries all over the world because of one woman that simply lived it. Jesus was real in her and it won my heart. Her life was the message I could not deny. If you're here today and you're a child of God, I wanna encourage you. Listen, I don't care what you've done. God is rich in love and mercy toward you. Lay it down, forgive and forget. Forgive yourself, forgive others and move on we all have things that have been done against us we've all done things against others let's forgive ourselves let's forgive them and let's move on listen some things will never be resolved but the cross resolves all so forgive and love and let's say to Jesus here I am make my life an example of who you are Jesus Show the world around me that you're real. When I'm gone, when I'm gone, should Jesus tarry, I want Dylan, my grandson, and Roman, and Stephen, and Sterling, and all my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. You know what I want them to think about me? One thing, when they remember, when they talk to their children or grandchildren about their great, great grandfather, I want them to say he loved Jesus and Jesus was real in his life. If I'm able to do that, I've won. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com.